Hello, and welcome to the Pursuit City Church podcast. Our mission is to lead people to know the love of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you will feel encouraged as well as challenged through the Word of God. If you need prayer or want to share your story, please send an email to info at PursuitCC.com. Get ready to enjoy this message. God bless. I want to talk to you this morning about baptism. This was not my planned message. I had a whole different message ready yesterday. And then when we decided to do this, I said, okay, we can talk about baptism because it still pulls from the same story we were going to read. A little bit of information about baptism I'll go through quickly. First of all, baptism is not a ritual. It's not something we do because we're supposed to. Baptism is a sacrament, and anything that is a sacrament is sacred, and anything that is sacred is necessary. Anything that is sacramental, anything that is sacred, is by nature supernatural. You can get healed, you can get delivered, you can get completely transformed. By doing two things in the church, taking communion and getting baptized. Because they're not rituals, they're sacraments, they're sacred, they are supernatural. So this is one of those events in your life that is life-changing. And for those of you who may not understand, sometimes you might need to do this more than once in your life. I myself have been baptized several times. You know why? Because every now and then I need a new life change. Can I get an amen on that? It's funny that you'll hear some people talk about you only need to get baptized once. Yet every time they go to Israel, they're getting baptized by somebody in Israel. And you know they've already been baptized before. So don't tell me you only get baptized once. This is something that you do when you need a life change. You need a supernatural encounter with God. You need something to shift in your life. Baptism is one of the primary ways that we connect to the cross. Jesus actually called his cross a baptism. If you were to go do some more digging, you would find that there is more than one type of baptism in scripture. There's baptism in water, there's baptism of fire, there's baptism of the cross, there's baptism in the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? There is more than one type of baptism, but the baptism we're talking about this morning is the baptism of water. It connects us to the cross. It connects us to grace. And without the cross, grace has no power. We need the cross, therefore we need baptism. Without the cross, you can't even preach about the blood of Jesus. The cross is connected to the blood. Grace is connected to the blood. Baptism is connected to the cross. It's all connected. Baptism cannot be disconnected from the cross of Jesus Christ. It is one in the same. You take up your cross. You follow me. Amen. And then he says, this is what you do. When you want to signify your relationship 
with God. I want to read you a quote from A.W. Tozer. It says, the, the old cross is a symbol of death. It stands for the abrupt, violent end of the human being. The man in Roman times who took up his cross and started down the road had already said goodbye to his friends. Listen, if you've dedicated your life to Christ, or if you're thinking about dedicating your life to Christ, by doing so, you've already said goodbye to who you used to be. By doing so, you've already said goodbye to your past. By doing so, you've already said goodbye to your friends because you are not the same anymore. You are not your own anymore. You do not belong to yourself anymore. He knew he was not coming back. He was going out to have it ended. The cross made no compromise. It modified nothing. It spared nothing. It slew all of the man completely and for good. It did not try to keep on good terms with his victim. The cross has no mercy on its victim. The cross has no compassion for the one hanging on it. It struck a cruel and hard end, and when it had finished its work, the man was no more. And then he closes with this. He says, the cross that saves us, slays us. <laughs> you thought Beyonce could come up with that term. Uh-uh-uh. A.W. Tozer said it first. <laughs> the cross that saves us, slays us. In other words, in order to be Born again, in order to come alive, you got to die to the old you first. So how does this relate to baptism? Baptism is not something you do because you were told you were supposed to do it in order for you to fulfill your Christian duties or requirements. In the church, we've done a great job of getting people to do things they don't know enough about. We've done a great job at that. We don't even know why we're doing it. We just know we're supposed to do it. But I'm here to tell you this morning that baptism is a picture of drowning. Follow me. Baptism is a picture of drowning. The cross is a picture of death. That water trough right there is a picture of death. Funny side story. Long, long ago at our old 3100 South Alameda location, somebody donated a huge 12-foot pool, circular pool, so we could do baptisms. I thought, man, this is awesome. Went and picked it up in like Beeville, drove it back, unloaded it. I don't know who was with me. Ramon, were you with me, Ramon? Somebody. Was it Ramon? I don't know. Somebody was with me. Oh, David Franco. David Franco, if you're watching, God bless you, brother. David Franco was with me, and we were trying to blow up this 12-foot pool. And I said, you know what? Maybe we should test this thing. We filled it up with water. <laughs> water all over the floor. We said, what is going on? There was holes in the newly donated, slightly gently used there was water all over the floor so we pulled it out we started sealing up all these holes man nothing was working man we literally flooded 
that first floor about three inches of water in the sanctuary. Good thing it was concrete back then. And we said, what are we going to do for baptisms in the morning? We, we said, you know, we're going to have baptisms. And so here we go. We're scrambling. We've had a lot of these events in our church days where we had to scramble at the last minute. So don't think this is coincidental. You know, this is this is how it goes sometimes. I remember that Sunday morning. I said, you know what? I'm going to go to Tractor Supply. I ran over to Tractor Supply and I said, hey, I'll take that one. How much is it? I don't even know how much it was. I said, let's, let's go. Let's take it. And that's where we got the water trough. This was not supposed to be our baptismal. We had a 12-foot pool. That was supposed to be our baptismal. That's our new baptismal. But that is the picture of death right there. That is the picture of your old self dying. That is the picture of your yesterdays. There should be no more yesterdays. So I want to read you a scripture. Exodus 14. Last week we talked about the promises of God. We talked about the four promises of God. And man, we talked about what God, oh, thank you, God, for that cloud cover. Can you stand right there, cloud? Paul, pause right there. Last week we talked about what God promised he would do. Last week we talked about how God made promises to his people and how those promises still apply to us today. Today, we're going to talk about when God fulfilled his promise. In Exodus 14 and verse 15, it says this. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff. Raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. Then the angel of God, who had been leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. The cloud settled between the Egyptian and Israelite camps. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and the Israelites did not approach each other all night. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The, then the wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and charioteers chased them into the middle of the sea. But just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud, and he drew, he threw their forces into total confusion. He twisted the chariot wheels, making their chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here, away from these Israelites, the Egyptians shouted. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. When all the Israelites heard or had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, raise your, your hand over the sea again. Then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and the chariots and charioteers. So as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea and the water rushed back into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. Then the waters returned and covered all the chariots and charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh, of all the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea, not a single one survived. But the people of Israel had walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground, 
as the water stood up like a wall on both sides. That is how the Lord rescued Israel from the hand of the Egyptians that day. And the Israelites saw the bodies of the Egyptians washed up on the seashore. When the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against, against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. They put their faith in the Lord and in his servant, Moses. You know what's so interesting? I won't bore you by reading all, everything previously before this. Is there's almost a whole chapter dedicated before this about how all the Israelites were complaining and whining and crying and, and in fear because they were pinned up against the sea and they saw Pharaoh's army coming and they started to say, Moses, why did you bring us out of Egypt? At least when we were slaves, we weren't going to be dead. They started complaining. They started whining. They started saying, we're going to die now. They started running in fear. They had no faith, y'all. They had just left Egypt rich. They had just left Egypt. Finally, Pharaoh let them go. They had just left Egypt and everyone had to give them silver and gold as they left. There was almost 1.5 million people in the Israelite camp. If you go back and read the story, you'll find that there were only 600,000 men. That did not count the women and the children. There was almost the same amount of women and children. It was a massive, massive group of people. Can you imagine as a leader hearing a million people tell you how bad you are as a leader? Can you imagine for a second hearing the complaints of a million people? Can you imagine for a second feeling the fear of a million people? Some of you get all worked up when one person comes against you. Imagine an entire nation. Imagine being told one moment, thank you for saving us. And the next moment, why did you save us? Talk about the double-minded nature. Can you imagine? But I digress. That's not part of my message. <laughs> Understand something. God is the one that led them to the sea. God is the one that led Moses to come get them out of Egypt. God is the one that hardened Pharaoh's heart over and over and over and over again. If you go back and read all the story of Exodus, you'll find between the plagues, between the miracles, between the signs and the wonders, there were times when Pharaoh decided to harden his heart and there were times when God decided to harden Pharaoh's heart for him because he wanted to use him to show his glory. It was actually a merciful thing for God to harden Pharaoh's heart because if God really wanted to deal with Pharaoh, he would have just killed him. It was actually a merciful thing to do what he was doing with Pharaoh. And then he used what Pharaoh was doing and the hardening of his heart to show off his glory. God just showed off for like eight chapters in the book of Exodus. And they're still questioning him. And they're still doubting. And they still don't have faith. Some of you are questioning and doubting God on a daily basis. But he woke you up this morning. He gave you life. He gave you an opportunity to do something with your life and you question and you doubt and you worry and you complain i'm telling you don't worry your way into the miracle watch god do his work god put them there in fact 
they were going a different direction. And he told Moses, tell the people of Israel, don't go that direction. Tell them to go camp by the sea. And then when they get there, because I'm going to give you the paraphrase. He even told them, when y'all get to the sea, they're going to be worried because they're going to recognize they're trapped. But that's exactly where I want them. I want them to be trapped because they need to learn how powerful I am. They don't understand yet. They need to understand that when they get delivered, it's not because they're able to do it. When they get delivered, it's because only I'm able to do it. So I'm going to send them into the trap. I'm going to march them into the trap. And then I'm going to show them exactly what happens to their enemies when they follow my commands. So God's the one that sent them there. God's the one that orchestrated that. And then as soon as they could see Pharaoh's armies, everybody starts tripping. <laughs> ah! There they come. Now, when Pharaoh rolled, he did not roll with a few guys. The Bible says that he brought his best dudes, his best chariots. He brought the full strength of his military. Pharaoh didn't play. He said, no, 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 I'm gonna go get these dudes. These are the dudes building my pyramids. We need these pyramids done by June 15th. And it's almost June, we need to get this done. <laughs> Tax day is coming and we need to pay the man. You know, like they, they were on a schedule. How do you think the pyramids got built? Okay, 430 years of slavery right here. That's how it got built. Okay, you ever wondered all that? That there it is. <laughs> making, making bricks out of straw and mud. Go read the story. You'll learn something. So what I want to share with you about this is that sometimes when you leave Egypt, Egypt follows you. Sometimes when you leave your enemies, your enemies follow you. Sometimes when you leave your past, your past returns. Sometimes when you say goodbye and you leave with the joy and you leave with the pep in your step, the enemy comes back rolling with chariots saying, no, 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 you ain't got rid of me yet, homeboy. And what you don't realize is that the place that you're in at the moment that you see your enemies coming back, God puts you there. See, the demons still think they have the right to chase you even after the blood has set you free. And sometimes having the blood of Jesus on your life moves you up on the hit list. It doesn't move you down. It moves you up. You're more of a target now. You ever wonder why you get saved and then stuff goes wrong? Because now you're on a hit list. You ever wonder why when you're doing things right, AC stops working? Electricity stops working? It'll be working all week long, but no, 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 Friday, that's when it stops working. Are you kidding me? It'll be working all week long, Sunday morning, everything goes wrong. You ever wonder why that happens? It's because you get moved up on the hit list. Take me out, see what happens. When you get back into a corner, how will you respond? You know what the problem with all of this enemy chasing us again is, is that we're still alive. <laughs> we still have breath in our lungs. And so there are elements about us that have fear and worry and doubt because we worry about what happens to our body. We are concerned about what happens to our physical nature. God says something interesting in the New Testament. He said, do not worry 
about what man can do to your mortal body, but only what God can do to your immortal soul. Like we worry about our mortal body, but God is like, why are you worried about your mortal body so much? Do not worry about, don't even worry about the clothes you have or the food you're going to eat. Did you not know that I take care of all the ravens and the sparrows? Like he says all this stuff to remind us that we overthink everything. Stop trying to change your nature. Baptism is here for you to drown your nature. You can't change the old you. You have to kill the old you. You have to drown the old you. The baptism is how we defeat our enemies. The baptism is how we say goodbye to yesterday. Baptism is how we say, I'm not the same person I used to be. I'm not the same me. Matt of 2010 is not the same Matt of 2020. And as rough and crazy as the year this year is, I'd rather be here today than me from 2010. You see, get a picture of it. Because this whole story of them marching through the Red Sea is a picture of a baptism. God leads them to the water, pins them back up against the water. Pharaoh and his army comes. All of Israel starts screaming, Moses, what are you doing to us? And then God says, all right, time to lift your hands, Moses. The waters part. And the Israelites march through the sea on dry ground. They go through the water. A supernatural encounter is going on. Walls of water on their side. I'm sure they saw Nemo and a shark on the left and the right of them. I mean, they had walls of water surrounding. They weren't even getting wet, dry ground they were walking on. Now, y'all ain't here. Y'all ain't awake. I said they saw Nemo. Where David Rondon at? You know what I'm talking about. What's up, David Rondon? He said amen. <laughs> he said amen. What's up, amen? See, I got an amen from Facebook. Y'all need to catch up up in here. Y'all need to catch up. They're walking through the sea on dry ground and the water stayed. It's there. And when they get to the other side, by that time, Pharaoh and his whole army is inside of the Red Sea. They're chasing after them. And as soon as the steps on over to the other side, you see, you see God say, OK, one more time, Moses, lift your hands. Can somebody say, lift your hands this morning? Amen. What did Moses have to do to get the miracle? <laughs> Just lift his hands. What did Moses have to do to defeat his enemies? Just lift his hands. What did Moses have to do to see complete, complete deliverance? Just lift his hands. And so when he lifted his hands, there he goes. You see the water drown his enemies. This is a full baptism for the Israelite nation. On one side of the Red Sea, they are slaves. On the other side of the Red Sea, they are fully delivered and set free. And in the process, God took out all of their enemies. They don't have to worry anymore. They don't have to complain anymore. Nobody's chasing them anymore. You want to get rid of your enemies? Get in. The water, 
You want to get delivered? Get in the water. You want to get set free? Get in the water. This is a beautiful picture of a pure baptism where they went in one way and they came out another way. They went in with one mindset and they came out with another mindset. They literally saw God take care of all their enemies. I believe with my whole heart that when you take a step of faith, like getting baptized, you are taking a step towards a new you, a new season in your life, a new reality in your life, and a life where you get to say goodbye to the old troubles, the old enemies, and the old things that plague you. Now don't think for a second, you won't find some new enemies, because Israel did. But the enemies that have been plaguing you that you have not been able to shake loose of, the issues that you have not been able to shake loose of, the circumstances you have not been able to shake loose of, you can drown them this morning in the water. I'm going to read one more scripture. The worship team wants to go ahead and come back up. So the book of Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. It says, and now... Just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots go down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Capture you with empty philosophies and high sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. Somebody say buried with Christ. Buried with Christ. And with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Can I get an amen this morning? God said he will disarm your enemies by way of the cross. You have to be buried and resurrected. You get buried and resurrected when you give your life to Christ. You get buried and resurrected when you jump in that water and when you come out. It is a picture of death.
burial, and resurrection. Can I get an amen this morning? Hey, you can hold it. God is a hit man. I said God is a hit man. He's here to take the old you out. He's here to take the selfishness out. He's here to take the complaining out. He's here to take the fear out. He's here to take the doubt out. He's here to take the sin out. He's here to take your enemies out. God wants to bury you and then resurrect you. Can somebody praise God this morning? Let's stand. Lord, we love you. We love you. And like all Moses had to do, we just lift our hands to you this morning. Then we worship you. We say thank you for what you've done on the cross. Thank you for what you've done in our place. Thank you that regardless of our circumstance, you made a way before we even knew that it was possible. While we were backed up against the sea, while we were trapped, you had already had a plan. You already made a way. You already had it all worked out. And so we worship you this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to encounter you through baptism. We thank you for the opportunity to be set free, to be made new. We thank you for the opportunity to defeat our enemies by just simply saying yes to you. We worship you this morning. If you're here this morning, and after being here a little bit and hearing the word of God, if you feel like it's time to dedicate your life to Christ and surrender 100%, if you feel like it's time to say goodbye to the old Jew and want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, I want you to lift your hands this morning. Come on, somebody here that needs to dedicate their life. I see you. I see you. Father, I thank you right now for salvation. I thank you for complete restoration. I thank you for complete life change and transformation. Lord, I pray that your presence will begin to overtake their lives. I pray right now that regardless of their past, that you begin to make all things new in their life. For they are now a new creation. Behold, the old things have gone away. And the new things have come. We thank you for it. We believe you for it. Amen.
Now, if you're here and you're ready to get baptized, I want you to just form a line right here facing that direction. Whoever wants to go first. If you're here and, and you weren't planning on getting baptized, but you feel that you want to get baptized, come on with it. Come on, just join us. We're going to be here until everybody's done. Everybody's uh, willing and ready and, and decided they want they, they are ready to get baptized and the last person goes. We're just going to worship until then. You can sit, you can stand, you can take pictures, whatever the case may be. Just line up right here. Thank you for joining us this week. Our vision is to plant churches that are life-changing. If you would like to support our ministry, you can easily do so by visiting our website, PursuitCC.com. Also, follow us on all social media outlets by using at PursuitCC. Thank you and God bless.